the battle for hearts and minds. Well, I'm not quite sure it will ever go away. These are the hardest times. Some are victims of these so-called liberated days. And if you think there's more to life, social work, cats and rocket science, and change your friends. And if you really can't decide between social work, cats and rocket science. Okay, welcome to the social work. Cats Rocket Science podcast. Uh, I'm Brian Mitchell. Apparently, I'm doing all the introductions and the hosting. Apparently, um, might be worth us introducing ourselves. Do you want to introduce yourself before we go into what we're actually going to do? So, I'm Fazila Hafiji, and I'm the service manager at Bradford for learning disabilities um, and autism. Meow. Good, good, <laughs> good, good. Uh, you also have the best fluffy cat of all of us. Uh, I'm Helen James, uh, and yeah, I'm. I work in social care with uh, uh, this group of people that we're sat in a recording studio with. Yeah, never been in one before. It's quite exciting, actually. It is, it's it's rock and roll, isn't it? Yeah, really? it feels a little bit, a little bit glamorous indie rock and roll. It's very nice. Um, so I'm Rob Mitchell. I'm a principal social worker and one of the co-authors. You didn't mention that you were a co-author of the oh, book. That, and yeah, that contribute. Anyway, well, I meowed, so that you was kind of like you did me out. Yeah. You there's, did. There's, there's no doubt in that you did me out. You um, did me out. Uh, so I'm principal social worker. Okay, brilliant. And what we thought we would do is is have a bit of a chat. Because we're, we're sort of thinking we might do a regular podcast. We're not sure how regular that podcast will be. But we also thought it would be nice to introduce ourselves, say a little bit about how we got into social work stroke social care, and then sort of somehow relate that to a piece of art, sort of pop song. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm frowning at that myself because I'm wholly unsure how this is going to play out. Um, so I don't know how you want to do this. Do we go, do we go clockwise or anti-clockwise with this one? <laughs> Why is everybody looking at me? Um, you are I, our leader. I, I don't mind going first in terms of uh, how I got into social care and social work because um, I think you have a more interesting story. Well, than the rest it, of no, us. I, I haven't got an interesting story. I, I, but there is a story. Um, but I think there's a story for everybody. Shall we be the judge of whether it's interesting <laughs> or not? It's really not interesting. It's really not. Interesting. So, my Please tell the truth, Rob. No, no, this, this is it's painfully true. Um, so, does it involve awkward shyness? I feel awkward shyness is highly likely to be part shyness of your story. Shyness is not, it's yeah, not shyness, that, is it? Shyness is nice. It is. Mm. Shyness um, can stop you. You can. You carry on. We, yeah, we could, do, we could do the possible. <laughs> Hang on, let's think about the, the Paul. You know, before when we were talking about career ending, I've no. just quoted Morrissey yeah, yeah, lyrics. Yeah, it's a bad start. Far right wing. No, it's There's a bad no start. need for on, that. Let, let's think of the listener. Um, so, so my story, so, so I, I left school just messed about school and left school with pretty much nothing and um, just buggered about with rubbish jobs for a long time. Well, it wasn't a long time, but it seemed like a long time. At, the, at, at Kind of at the time, it felt never-ending. I did loads of jobs and jobs that I'd do for like a day and so I was... At, uh, jobs a day? How did, did you do a job I was a postman a for three days. I got <laughs> hounded, I literally hounded out of Bramley by the dogs of Bramley. Um <laughs> Woke up on me kind of fourth morning, like, oh no, I'll tell you one of the reasons why I couldn't carry on being a postman is. Um, you didn't like shorts? No, well, there was that. Because it, it was gender specific. It, it, it was. <laughs> my contract did say postman. Um, it, the reason that I didn't want to do day four, it wasn't the dogs. It was the bloody postmen in there. They were so happy at four o'clock in the morning. <laughs> They'd be shouting and bawling at each other and singing <laughs> and dancing, talking about football. And it was just like, it's four o'clock in the morning. What are you doing? You're not happy at four o'clock in the evening. <laughs> exactly. So I tolerated it for a bit and then I kind of... So I did loads of rubbish jobs. Um, so I was a publican for a time. And anybody that knows me and knows... So I don't drink alcohol and... And I'm not interested in pubs. Somehow I ended up being a publican. I, were the, I hated the punters. They hated me. It was just really awkward. Um, and and you were awkward. And so, oh, oh, yeah, 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 awkward. And, um, Orcs. Oh, so one of the jobs that I did is I, were, I worked at the uh, petrol station at Hartshead Moor Services. Um, serving petrol to the stars, which is quite interesting because you, <laughs> you serve 
petrol to the stars. Because you speak to anybody who's worked in a service station, they'll tell you about all the famous people that come in. So loads of really crap famous people came in. But I have to say that one night when I was working nights, we used to do seven till seven, uh, Tracy Chapman came in. No, uh, honest to God, ah. honest to God. And so the tune you've chosen. No, it's no, not. It's not right. Tracy Chapman. But she came in one night. I was absolutely blown away. So this will like, this will have been about like 1990 and 1991. So it was just off the back of that album that she had out in yeah, the late 80s yeah. when she played the Mandela concert, and she was, uh, yeah. Anyway, that isn't the story. So, um, <laughs> so we're doing this job at a service station, and then on my days off, I would go to the job centre because, like, from leaving school at 16 till however old I was then, that's all I knew is that. Any time, every time you got some time off, you just went and tried to get a different job, a better job, because they were all really poor jobs, as I saw them. Um, so I went to the job centre one day, and as I was going to the job centre, there was somebody coming out that I'd worked with at the petrol station, and she'd left the petrol station to go work in a, to work in a nursing home. And I saw her coming out of the job centre, I was like, oh, I thought you'd gone to the nursing home. Oh, it went awful, I fell out with the matron. She started telling me this story about this matron in this care home. She sounded like a real nightmare of this matron, but she, was, she sounded funny as well about what all the different stuff that she'd done. So I went into the job centre, pretended to look for work, didn't find anything that particular day, but thought, I'm going to phone that nursing home up where she used to, where this lass used to work and see if there's a job going so I phoned the um, I got home and I phoned the, the matron up and um, I, I said oh, I'm, I'm looking for work I, I think at the time I wasn't even thinking about care work um, people told me before about that I could do care work but I always took it as a bit of a, an insult like oh you clearly can't do anything else so I'd be a carer and at the time I, I thought oh, you're just saying that because you think I'm rubbish at everything and you think that I'm, I might be nice to people so I don't want to do that so, <laughs> so <laughs> little did they know so um so I phoned the, the, the care home and I spoke to the matron and um, I said to her, I, I'm looking for work, thinking that probably in the kitchen or something like that. And um, no, no, I don't employ men under any circumstances. Um, so no, no, thank you. So just employer there. Well, there you go, you've preempted where I'm going. <laughs> so just before she managed to put the phone down, I got in really quickly. I said, Oh, um, Batley Job Centre have actually given me your number as a really good equal opportunities employer. So this moment of silence. I am a good equal opportunities employer. I just I, don't employ men. So I said, All right, okay, well that's why that's the only reason I'm phoning you they said that you were a good equal opportunities employer. So she said, come and see me tomorrow then, because I clearly ticked the box, male, yeah, good equal opportunity employee. So she said, come and see me tomorrow. So I went up to see her at, at this care home and um, all Sunday morning. Actually, it, there is, there is a, an air of sadness and social work about it, because actually when I met her, she, she, she walked kind of all over the place and unintentionally very funny um but she'd just experienced a, a, a personal tragedy she'd actually lost her son in a, a, a car uh, accident a real traffic accident and she were deeply saddened actually she were she were bereft literally but so we ended up having a conversation where about a son and things like that mm -hmm. so there were actually a bit of social work kind of kind of in there but anyway at the end of the conversation she said to me uh, well you can start tomorrow so I said, all right, okay. Uh, she said, we'll pay you, um, I think she said, we'll pay you £2.20, which were 20 pence less an hour than I were getting at the petrol station. I were, I remember earning £2.20. I were working in a cake factory packing, uh, I was on the night shift packing cakes into boxes. Well, you, you can say £2. that. £2.20 an hour. Your time for an anecdote. Um, <laughs> And I so, so, so that's probably the end of it. So no, no. So I started the next day as a care assistant in a care home, and um, I remember going home after the first day and speaking to my girlfriend that I lived with at the time, and saying she eventually asked me how the day had gone. I think she'd got bored of asking me about new jobs, so she didn't kind of rush to ask how it had gone. Eventually, she said, "Oh, how did your day go?" And I remember saying to her, "I cannot believe they're going to pay me for the day's work that I've just done." Mm. Uh, and it sounds really twee now, no. but genuinely, I could not get my head around the fact that I'd done a seven-hour shift and none of it will work. So I'd help people get dressed, I'd help people wash, but it never felt, and I was there for about three years as a care assistant, and it genuinely never felt like work. It felt crap in terms of the money. I was broke, we'd got rent to pay, I'd taken a pay cut. My girlfriend were a clerical assistant with no money and it was really difficult. But the work were just... My first day in social care were like the first day of the rest of my life. It was just absolutely uh, amazing. Could not believe that I got paid for it. Group of uh, people that I worked with. So I met my future wife there. She taught me how to make a bed. 
Um, so she told me off because I'd done it wrong. She'd been telling me off ever since. <laughs> so um, I met some friends there that I'm kind of still in touch with. Uh, and that was it. So that was kind of my introduction to social care. And then I kind of moved through social care, looking, again, kind of looking for better jobs or jobs that paid better money. Not better jobs, jobs that paid better money because I'd, we got a young family. And, um, and that was it. So I got into social work. Um, because I knew that I needed a step up. I knew that I'd got a young family. I knew I'd got responsibilities. Um, but social care was the thing, being a care assistant and a care officer for people who learn disabilities eventually and people, um, older people. So I, I will go back to, I hope, I'll make this pledge now on this pod podcast, I will go back to being a care assistant because that's my love, actually, is being yeah. a carer. I, I love social work, but I love being a hands-on carer. Best of all, uh, so that that will that, nice. That so will what be. what's the the tune bit of art that you've chosen to? The, so it's not really related to, to to how I got into social care, but um, the song that I would choose uh, just because it reminds me of a time in my life in the early nineties, and it's it would be uh, Indigo Girls and Closer to Fine. Um, there's some lines in that song that. Um, in terms you love of love that Brian, don't you? Oh, I'm crying. That's I'm crying. It is, an, it, it. it is an amazing. It is an amazing song, and and it, the, the the words. I mean, you'll you'll hear if we play it on 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 this podcast, which is what we plan to do. The, there is a line on it is that um, where um, where she um, where they both unashamedly kick academics. Yeah. <laughs> so no offense to the academics, but there's a line in there which is um, there's no academics in it, don't yeah. you? <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, about being uh, prostrate to the to, to the higher uh, to the higher mind. Got my paper and I was free. And it, in terms of my social work, learning my social work education, I always remember that line about got my paper and I was free. I wanted to be a social worker. I wanted to practice. I wanted some professional uh, aut autonomy. And the actual link to to Indigo Girls is um, the, I, I saw the Indigo Girls live in concert in um, in the early nineties uh, with my sister. My sister will had gone to Nottingham University at that point she was doing uh, some I think she was doing women's studies and um and uh it was that week it was it was that weekend that I think she'd been kind of um she was going to tell me that she was lesbian um and when I kind of look back on that weekend it's kind of quite funny because um so <laughs> so the first clue from my sister in terms of her coming out story as she tells it is that um She'd take me to an Indigo Girls gig. So I was the only man, I think, in the building. I can't remember seeing any more men. Uh, and it was the Indigo Girls. And she was clear... Now, I look back, and I'm really embarrassed. She was clearly there with a girlfriend. There was this... There was a girl with us. And oh, she, nice. was, she, was, she, just she was clearly a girlfriend. And then... So I remember the girlfriend being there. And she was so lovely. And, and the three of us... And then... We got to like the end of the road where my sister's, clearly my sister's girlfriend lived, and they had to say goodbye to each other. And I remember standing there thinking, this is a bit awkward. Why, why, are, they, why are they looking at each other and not just saying goodbye? And, and now when I look back with like deep shame, really, about how little kind of insight I had into the world and relationships and everything, the fact that, oh, bless her, she was... Yeah, yeah, she was she, she was trying to tell me. And I just did I just didn't I just didn't see it. So it is that song for me. Okay, so this is the Indigo Girls and Closer to Fight. I'm trying to tell you something about my life. Maybe give me insight between black and white. And the best thing you To help me take my life less seriously It's only life after all Yeah Well darkness has a hunger that's insatiable And lightness has a call that's hard to hear And I wrap my fear around me like a blanket I sail my ship of safety till I sank it I'm crawling on your shores I went to the doctor I went to the mountains I looked to the children I drank from the fountains There's more than one answer to these questions Pointing me in a crooked line And the less I seek my source for some definitive Closer I am to find, yeah. Closer. 
So that was a magnificent tune. The bar's been set a bit high there. Over to you. So tell us how, Zila, how did you get into social care, social work? Oh, God. Um, my story is nothing like Rob's. <laughs> um, so I went to... Um, I, I'll tell you a bit about kind of my background. So my mum and dad were divorced, um, which is really rare in the Asian community in the kind of 70s and 80s. Um and there was no expectations, really, for, for me to do well or for me to have a career. Um, I went to an all-girls school. Nobody ever checked my homework. Nobody said, oh, how are you getting on at school? Checked your homework? What do you mean? Check Who checks homework? Yeah, if I've, I check if my kids have done the homework. What? No, you spy! <laughs> what are you so Checking homework? How did you not? My, my parents were teachers. Oh. I'm with Fazila. We had designated homework time no. when I was growing up. Well, yes, no one did that. Um, so I got sent to a, an all-girls school, no investment, and my brother uh, got to go to a mixed school. He got to go to all the kind of um, residentials, all of that kind of stuff. And so um, I, I grew up with my granny and granddad, and they were really strict. Uh, my first encounter with social work was probably when I was about 14. There was an education social worker, I think they used to have them back in the days. Um, a she, wag officer. Yeah. <laughs> Um, I wasn't wagging. Uh, whoa, whoa, nobody accused you uh, of wagging. Steady, fast. Whoa, no, no, you went all defensive there, girlfriend. <laughs> nobody said you were wagging. Um, so she'd come to the house across the road and I remembered her from school and being Asian and kind of inviting and she was sat in the car and it was raining and I think the neighbours weren't at home so I knocked on and I said, oh, no, you're from school, come on in. Um, invited her in, started chatting and she told me all about social work and... Um, she, we had a long chat and I thought, oh, this is interesting. I quite fancy doing something like this. That's probably where I got my first interest. Um, and then, um, so when I left, um, school, um, none, nobody in my family had ever gone to university. Women didn't work. So, um, I said to my granddad that I, I either want to work or I either want to go to university because I'd done well in A-levels. Um, and he said, well, no woman in our house works. So I was like, okay, university it is then. 
So I tried to get onto the social work course, but when I was um, that age, you couldn't get onto social work till you were about 21 at least because you needed some life experience. I thought, Grandad's let me go to university. Now, um, if I don't take the opportunity, I'm going to end up sat at home doing nothing. So if I can't do social work, I'll do sociology and social psychology, kind of something in the field. Um, and then... Um, I decided to get married in my wisdom at the age of 19 and I got married to, into an even stricter family. That's really young. Yeah. Just thinking what I was doing at, yeah, the same age. So I was talking about this last night with my mates because all my friends thought that I'd go to uni, I'd study, I'd have a career. Um, there was 13 of us that I used to hang out at school um, and I'd met my um, husband at the time to be, and we'd all been together for about 12 or 14 weeks and we decided that we wanted to get married because that's what used to happen that's romance yeah um, anyways, I was I'm... living in the Caribbean I went out to the I'd family in the island in the Caribbean <laughs> again Elaine like we're, all, we're all waiting for your turn <laughs> what do you, you think the biscuit packet were for yeah, it just was to just you all it's a good comparison yeah. though isn't it there's me in Batley wanting to get married at 19 and there's Elaine yeah, yeah, there's Elaine I was in, in the Caribbean Russo. I was in Russo on the Commonwealth of Dominica mm. yeah yeah I was looking to Massac in the um, anyway, carry on. So um, I rang, um, I remember ringing all my friends and saying, I'm getting married. And they were like, no, you're having a laugh. You're the last person that we thought I'd get married. And I was like, no, I'm leaving university. I'm getting married. This is what I want to do. Um, anyway, I got married um, and I quickly realised that that's not what I wanted to do at all. When you say quickly, how quickly did that did that dawn in every realisation happen? Like, almost certainly. I was like, oh my God, what have I done? Um, but I was because uh, my mum and dad had been divorced and it was a big cultural kind of stigma I was really adamant that I was never going to get divorced and I was never going to be a single parent and even if I had to live like this forever I was going to do it um, so um, I thought you couldn't get any more stricter than my granddad but clearly not anyways this family wouldn't allow me to continue with university wouldn't allow me to go to work the family wouldn't allow you yeah the family um, so I thought, oh, um, I and mean, I'd chosen this guy myself, so I didn't go back home and say to my mum, oh, my God, what have I done? Because they'd be like, you made your bed, lying it. Oh. Um, and plus the families loved each other because they were on that same kind of vibe. Yeah. So mm. I thought, oh, what do I do? Anyway, so I got quite into religion um, and I met Rob probably just... Um, a year into my marriage, I think it might have been. Um, I was on a social work place. Yeah. I was a student social worker on a place, but you were a full-time worker there. Or, yeah. yeah, yeah. So it, just before I'd started um, doing that, um, I got really into my religion and I started wearing um, the burqa, which is no different to <laughs> what we're expected to wear now with the masks. <laughs> uh, <laughs> can I just say we've got a whole heap of glamorous masks on? I have. I have got my um, blingy mask. We've, there is a bit of um, glamorous indie rock and roll mask making going on today. <laughs> it's funny, is it, that all that yeah, awful yeah. noise about Burke, about, well, we can't see people's faces and we can't hear people and all that nastiness that you heard, yeah. about that... That's gone out the window now. Everybody's yeah. wearing masks. You no longer hear that that argument, which yeah, shows where right it were from. Yeah. 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 yeah, nasty, nasty. Yeah. Um, so, to cut a long story short, um, I started wearing a burqa um, and then realised that that's not what I wanted to do either. Uh, fell pregnant with Adam, who's now going to be twenty-one. Um, what you've what? Yeah, you there's always twenty-one-year-old. I've gone all high pitch there. You, you have gone all high pitch. There was no need pitch. to go high pitch, was there? No. I'm so sorry. Thanks, Brian. You've a 21 year old son. Yeah. Okay, that's. Can I just say, so, so have I. <laughs> what? That's it, Brian. Thank you very much. Not quite that high pitch, but yeah, it was, sorry. It was all right. Um, I think we'd be less surprised if you said you'd a 20 year old grandson. <laughs> but, but we'll carry on with the same. Um, so I had him. And then I thought, oh, God, I don't want to be married. I don't want to be a baby-making machine. Um, I want to do what I've always wanted to do, which is kind of social care stuff. Mm. Um, but how do I go about it when this family won't allow me to work, they won't allow me to go back to university? Where were you working when you met Rob then, Vazela? I was you working at Cloverleaf. Oh, so Nad for Oh, my word. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So just before mm. that... Um, I was kind of plotting about how to go about this without kind of rocking the boat. Um, so Adam had got to about six months old and I, and I said, oh, I, 
I want to do something and how do I go about it? So there'd been an ad in one of the newspapers that were looking for telesales assistants. So I rang them and I said, look, I think I can do this, but I can't come to your office and work. Will you give me an opportunity to work from home? Mm. And they said, oh, come in and see us and we'll have a chat and uh, we'll give you a trial period. And if you're able to demonstrate that you can work from home and you can still get the sales leads and all of that kind of stuff, yes, jobs is yours. And I thought it was really good money, like 10 quid an hour. (laughs) Mm. Yeah. Mm. Um, so I said to um, the family that look I'm going to work from home will you keep an eye on Adam because um, he makes a lot of noise in the background I can't really make phone calls so they were like they were alright with that because I wasn't leaving the home and I was at home so I don't think it was about work I think there was a whole host of other stuff Um, so I started doing that and they were alright with that and then from a couple of hours it became a bit more and then I saw a, a job advertised, um, and this was for Cloverleaf Advocacy, but it was for a group support worker, and it was for working in the local community centre, so doing like an advocacy drop-in group support type thing. Um, so I said to the family, look, you look after Adam anyway for a couple of hours a week, and I've seen this, and it's in the community, and I'll be giving something back to the community, what do you think? And they went, yeah, if it's in the community... It sounds all right. So I was like, yes, quids in. Um, went for an interview. Um, and um, the feedback was um, from the managing director at that time. We like you. We're not quite sure if you understand what advocacy is, but I think we could work with you. So I was like, all right. So it's a couple of hours a week working um, in a community centre doing dropping. And a bit like you, Rob, I couldn't believe I was getting paid. Oh. It was absolutely mm. amazing. It was in a um, community centre. They had a luncheon club. They had elderly ladies come in from about 10 till 2, just chatted with them, have, uh, ate, got free food, <clears throat> uh, curry, um, samosas, all the all the full works and got paid for it at the end of the week um, and that's how I ended up in social care so yeah. and after doing group support um, my man, I'd been there for a couple of weeks and um, the manager who managed me went off on maternity leave <laughs> and um, she went right well I'm off on maternity leave and uh, we need an advocate here you are wow. um, so yeah brilliant and so what's the tune piece of art that don't don't do that don't no, know I Really got you've, you've got to have something. You, then, um, them's the rules. I've not made the rules no, you up. Made them up. Them's right. the rules. I, I, yes, well, I'm a rule breaker. Okay, so no tune. No, no. tune. No can, tune. Can we have an? Can we have one? An extra one then? Because <laughs> we'll have loads. I <laughs> we'll have yours. I was into R and B and hip hop. Oh, I, so okay. Craig David. Uh, no. No. Yeah. Oh, oh, wait yeah. a minute. Oh, no. 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 No, 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 Brian, no, 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 no. He's, he's very cute. I don't, no. I, I only said he's, I don't, I have no Go on idea what I'm talking what about. What we're talking about, Aaron, Aaron B, so. Be, be on, I don't know. No, no but, Beyonce. A little bit of California soul. You did a little bit of California soul, or are you more on the, are you more on the Funkadelic side, or where are you? Let me have a think and I'll All right, well, actually. yeah, okay. Parliament? No. Okay, so whatever it is... The revolution will be televised. Will this not be televised. is your tune. Always 
New days are strange, is the world insane? If love and peace are so strong, why are the pieces of love that don't belong? Nations dropping bombs, chemical gases filling lungs of little ones with ongoing suffering as the youth are young. So ask yourself, is the loving really gone? So I could ask myself, really, what is going wrong in this world that we living in? People keep on giving in, making wrong decisions, only visions of them dividends, not respecting each other, denying thy brother. A war is going on, but the reason's undercover. The truth is kept secret, it's swept under the rug. If you never know truth, then you never know love. What's the love, y'all? Come on, I don't know. What's the truth, y'all? Come on, I don't know. What's the love, y'all? People are killing, people dying, children hurting, healing, crying. When you practice what you preach and what you turn the other cheek, Father, 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 help us. As I'm getting older, your people get older. Most of us only care about money making. Selfishness got us following the wrong direction. Wrong information always shown by the media. Negative images is the main criteria. Infecting the young minds faster than bacteria. Kids wanna act like what they see in the cinema. Whatever happened to the values of humanity? Whatever happened to the fairness and equality? Instead of spreading love, we're spreading animosity. Lack of understanding leading us away from unity. That's the reason why sometimes I'm feeling under. That's the reason why sometimes I'm feeling down. It's no wonder why sometimes I'm feeling under. Gotta keep my faith alive till love is found. Now ask yourself. Where is the love? was a tune whatever it was uh okay um elaine yeah okay so i was just thinking about how i met fazila and so, so i met fazila and fazila left off with talking about her work in advocacy and her rights her real approach and drive around rights and upholding people's rights and that's how i met fazila i met fazila about three years ago now it feels like We've known each other. Yeah, it feels like we've known each other for years, yeah, doesn't it? But yeah. it's probably about three years, and and it was. Um, I like that idea of how you rock the boat without knocking yourself out, because I rock myself out the boat all the time, <laughs> and I've got a very long and consistent career of of nearly drowning and then having to try and rescue <laughs> the situation. Life belt. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so Fazila was. Um, uh, I first came across Fazila when she was actually in an adversarial position, um, <laughs> bringing Section 21A appeals against uh, against where we were un- involved in um, an uncovering social work where practice was unduly interfering in people's right to a private and a family life and keeping people apart from their family members uh, and not recognising um, that in how important that relationship is between family members, how yeah, unconditional yeah, yeah. <clears throat> um, that relationship is between family members. Um, and that, it really connected with me because my, I have a few really influential figures um, in terms of social work experience in my career history. Um, and one that really stands out is I, I worked for a while with um, <laughs> Rob. <laughs> Rob's now waving his head, Brian's now waving. I was actually going to talk about a guy called Nigel Richardson, who I worked for for a while. Um, and he um, he talked about a phrase which was um, when he was responsible for making decisions about employing social workers. Um, he only wanted to employ social workers who could talk without embarrassment about love. 
because mm. families have unconditional love yeah. at the heart of the relationship. <clears throat> and if you are embarrassed or uncomfortable or are skirting round a series of euphemisms rather than talk about that um, really basic human emotion that's at the heart of relationships, then he didn't think you could practice the type of social work that was important for him to see in the services he had responsibility for. And he's gone on to do all right in his career. So hi, Nigel, if you're listening, it's nice to meet you. Um, you think uh, people will be listening? Yeah, <laughs> possibly. We will be. Yeah. 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 And, and be before, Nigel, the, um, the very first social worker that I ever came across, um, going right back in my career. So I was thinking about, um, talking about, um, where Fazila was at um, and where I was at at 19. So uh, I had family out on an island in, in the West Indies and I'd spent some time out with them. Yeah, yeah, the family yes, out in the, that's right, on yes, the island. On the yeah, island yeah, that, that yes. So when I came back, so I have a job pretty much for um, every an anecdote that I might want to pull out, Brian, and that's linked in with the rocking yourself out the boat because you always need to grab another job to come out of. But one of the many jobs I've had when I came back from the West Indies was um, I got a job in the uh, education department in a prison, a Cat B trainer prison, which is an old Victorian institution. And the local area had just finished commissioning a new build establishment for um, young offenders. So the area's courts decided to start remanding 15-year-old um, boys into prison, which were under school leaving age, on the understanding um, that they were remanding them into custody in the new build unit. And it's the first time I came across this idea of commissioning because the unit had been commissioned. So practice then changed because the courts then started remanding boys into what they thought would be this beautiful, purpose-built mm. accommodation with education support. But what the unit did um, is the unit filled up with boys from out of area that they could charge local authority significant amount of money for. And the lads from the local authority where I lived, that was my home, uh, 14 ended up in um, in prison, in uh, uh, a Catby trainer prison. So we... Um, uh, very quickly as an education department that needed somebody to lead that and I was really lucky enough to get that job and up until then I had done some work I'd, um, in the prison I'd set up a community student action group and we were providing support around literacy and math support to adults and adult offenders but suddenly we'd got children and the prison did something really um, new, which is they worked with the local authority to bring in a social worker for the boys. Mm -hmm. And uh, I worked really closely with him because I got to coordinate their education programme. They had statutory requirements, 16 hours education. He looked after their social care. And he was um, quite a revelation to me about what social work was because he was entirely driven by rights in a way that Fazila was when I first met her. Mm -hmm. And there was this resonance across 20 years of finding somebody who had been really influential at the start of my career and then finding it embodied in a completely different person in Fazila 20 years later, both really driven because he talked a lot about the rights of the child and particularly about the rights of the child to be warm. So his social work practice was entirely driven about child's rights. And when I first met Nigel Richardson, he came and talked about the UN Convention on the Rights of the Child and child rights being mm. at the heart of a UNESCO commitment about what a child-friendly city would look like, where no child would get left behind, where no person with disability would be get left behind. Reasonable adjustments would be made to ensure that everybody came with them. And um, that felt like a kind of coming home and finding somebody who spoke a language that I recognised even though we were really different and had come from really Aww. different starting points um, and it fitted really well with a form of practice that um, Rob introduced me to so I started working with Rob about 10 it's years ago now. now. No. <laughs> he thinks he's getting no, interested. 10 now. years ago. So 10 years ago. Get now. out of here. Yeah, it's 10 years ago. Now. So prior to that, I worked for BBC Children in Need. And I'd, uh, so I moved between uh, the voluntary sector organisations over the So time. I thought, and you know, when that. you started in the local authority mm. where you're about, did, yeah, you were yeah. discussing, mm. when, you, when you said, because I met you and you said, oh, I worked for BBC, I thought that was dead glamorous. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. What are you I doing did. in a local authority <laughs> yeah. when you've come from the BBC? Well, um, I worked for the charity, which is BBC Children Need, and it was uh, it was an incredible opportunity because I 
two days a week I'd be office based and then a day of year admin stuff but two days a week I went out to visit children's charities so I visited every single children's hospice in the north of England every single women's refuge in the north of England at that time uh, and um, probably the best part of 200 different charities, young, small, to talk to children and the support workers and their families um, and listen to them. And it, that connection about love becomes really powerful because mm. um, children love Pudsey Bear and they love him in a way that's... Um, if you see the reaction when young children with disabilities see Pudsey go with me to places... Uh, no, you didn't go just, with Pudsey. Yeah. Pudsey Are you a mate of Pudsey's? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Pudsey's oh, definitely yeah, well. yeah. And And one of the things that Pudsey did was some children taught him to do sign language and they, what they wanted him to learn was, I love you. So it's, I yeah. love you. And that was really important because then he could speak to them because, they mm. yeah. So love's like a really strong theme all the way through. But love underpinned by a right to be loved and a light, right to experience love and uh, everything that comes with it, which includes pain and upset as well as the happy side of it. Mm. And it was a form of practice that I, I felt was kind of really at the heart of over the last 10 years, that, that practice that you talk about, that Rob advocates for, that channels in really creative ways of expression through music and art and um, the creative crafts it's just different ways of mm. ensuring all practicable steps are taken to make sufficient reasonable adjustment that you slow decision making down enough that the person is able to properly talk about their wishes and what they want as an outcome yeah. and whether they want you to be involved at all in how they achieve that outcome so you can be respectful in how you do it so, so that's my <clears throat> understanding so my my song off the back of that um, uh, yeah we don't want to dumb it down or anything but uh, what's your favourite pop <laughs> song Elaine? <laughs> <laughs> not so off my song off the back of that would be um, yeah um, uh, this is for Priya who is um, DJ Priya who's my best friend and we were each other's um, bridesmaids at each other's wedding and um, um, she's not religious at all and neither am I but godmother to her uh, daughters um, uh, Yasmin and Lana and uh, it's the Pixies and it's uh, Gigantic yes. which is her big big love yes His teeth as white as snow What a gas it was to see him Walk her every day into a shady place With her lips she said She
tune. Tune. Proper, proper tune. Tune. I, I, you know, Female bassist, I think you'll find the Kims, whether it's Kim Dio, whether it's, uh, yeah, no, the Kims, it's, uh, yeah. Pixies, though. God, what a band. Mm. What? A, yeah, yeah. I mm. mean, I'm not Spiders even Spiders Nightclub back in the day, Adelphi. Oh, my God. You know, the thing that makes me cry, we've sat today in, I've got to describe the surroundings, we're sat in a very small organisation called School of Rock Media who yeah. have very kindly loaned their facilities and they one day we need to get them to come and talk about how they built this place because yeah. it's incredible but it's these small independent venues yeah. that are at the heart of music and um, I talked about my friend Priya she's an, an independent DJ she's an indie DJ and um, Weddings. we met <laughs> no nightclubs dear and just recently two really important venues to Priya and I have closed during the pandemic mm. and we don't know if they'll ever open again mm. um, and uh the Adelphi in Hull, um, really important part of Spiders Nightclub in Hull, really important part of shaping who I am and who who my friends are and who Yasmin, my, my grandma. We all know who came from Hull. We do. Mick Ronson. That's not who I was going to say. I was going to say Hull for London Nil. Yeah, oh, of course. Equally as important, but I have to say that Rono for me uh, is is such a massive cultural figure that you kind of wonder had Ronson not played with Bowie where we would be where mm. would where would this thing that we've we kind of love with a passion be and where would any one of us be without those those kind of significant figures mm. I, I kind of you know I trace my almost my legacy is music I think that I know people say without it they wonder where their lives would be, but I'm I'm quite genuine about that. I kind of wonder yeah. where, you know, because it's felt like at times it's been both uh, cathartic and life-saving mm. in one, mm. all in one go. But, you know, it's a weird one, isn't it? But Hull without the House Martins, Hull without Mick Ronson, God, mm. the it's, House Martins. So it's really interesting because part of what we're talking about is how kind of music or art or whatever has shaped maybe and, and the connection with social work. Yeah. I'm not sure if, if people talk about this a lot, but in our religion, um, as a Muslim, um, music is kind of frowned upon um, to, to the extent it's seen as haram. And, and, I, and I've talked to you about my granddad being really kind of strict. So you had this... Um, you were really torn because I had yeah. all my friends into kind of Bollywood and Bangra and watching kind of Bollywood films and that was part of what you were growing up with. And then you'd come home and your granddad would be like, Nope, not happening in my house. Yeah. Mm. Um, so I kind of think about what is it? Um, and I remember wanting to do lots of things when I was younger. So apart from being interested in social work, at one point um, it was really cool to be a hairdresser. So I remember <sighs> that <laughs> um, at the age of 14 when you had to do your school placement, yeah. I used to go for a week. Um, I got offered um, a placement in a really funky hairdresser's and I said, right, I'm going to go there. My granddad went, no granddaughter of mine is going to be a barber. Because it's like a, a big caste thing in us. And if you were a barber, mm. you were associated with being like a low caste. I wanted to do that. I wanted to do acting and singing and dancing. And none of that was allowed. Um, but the one thing that I became really interested in was social work and actually was really celebrated in our family because it's part of community development. Does that make it really hard for you then when, when we select a song and putting you on the spot about doing the same? Um, I, I, I suppose... Um, in a sense, because I couldn't connect a song yeah. to social work, but I could connect the way I am. So, like, mm. I always wanted to do things that I weren't allowed to do, mm. and I still probably you are um, you are uh, one of the funniest people that I've. I think you are arts. I think you might not be music, but I you make me laugh like nobody else makes me laugh in terms of people that I've worked with in social work. I think you are a performer. Actually, I think you're quite an entertainer. Yeah. I, I, I you would... love, I know you pretend you don't, but you would love fronting stuff. <laughs> no, I don't. You really not do. that you drop me in it at the last minute saying I'm not going to do I this think, presentation. Can you do it? I, I, I think I, you're an entertainer. I think, but I, I, I would agree, but I think all social work is a performance. I think yeah. it has to be. I think good social work is about blending in, in the environment. It's almost chameleon-esque. Yeah. The idea that you can be in an environment, be comfortable in who you are and be comfortable with people that at times can be quite a challenge. Yeah. I think that there's a real art and 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 that we've had that discussion so yeah. many times about social work being an art. 
uh, we talked about that, didn't we? About I was talking to one of our social workers, um, and and <laughs> Rob and I have a joke about the fact that we're from Dewsbury. We are. Um, it's Dewsbury actually, <laughs> um, and um, about being really like down to earth and um, just being able to sit with somebody on the floor um, and connect with them at a level, yeah. um, but doing that really naturally and not having to think about how do I connect with this person. It just yeah. comes to you naturally, doesn't it? It should. I can't imagine how hard social work must be or care work must be if you if that isn't natural. Yeah. yeah. That, like we were saying earlier about it, it didn't feel like well, we should be getting paid for the job we're doing. Bloody hell, you'd need paying if that if that doesn't suit yeah. you and yeah. you decide to do that yeah. as a living. That must be... Social work must be so difficult. I think we're... I think we're lucky and I think, I think social workers kind of people who, who love social work gravitate towards other people who love social, who love yeah. social work and you kind of feed off, feed off each other. I, I think we've found that out quite a lot though, haven't we? Over the last two to three years in Bradford, I think we've found that, that there's a group of professionals that sort of gravitate towards one another because of a love of the profession. And it's back to that thing that you were describing before, Elaine, that it's not just a love of a profession, it's a love of other human beings. So when after I'd um, qualified as a social worker, because I'd been in advocacy, I absolutely loved advocacy, and then I had two placements that I just thought, oh, really? Mm. Is this what social work is? Yeah. Um, I, actually, I tell a lie. The last placement was in children and families, and I really enjoyed the work that I did because I got to do <clears> stuff <throat> that you probably wouldn't do as a social worker. Yeah. So I got to support kids who had been abused by their own family members yeah. and stuff and do stuff around feeling cards and that kind of stuff that you probably wouldn't do once you're qualified. Um, but ended up going back in advocacy because I thought, no, that's proper social mm. work. Um, and I never thought I'd probably come and work in a local authority. You haven't told us, uh, you're, yeah? you're, we, we, you're, as the host, we need to know from you, Brian. Oh, okay. Um... I'm still bemused by how I've ended up a social worker. Still we all are. I still don't understand how this has happened. Um, I I was a youth worker for a number of years. Um, I worked at a boys club. And I still feel quite guilty about the fact that um, we got the club closed down based on the fact that the 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 young people that used the youth club didn't really like the fact that the girls weren't allowed in the club. <laughs> so we embarked on a on a, a process of... Well, it was more a campaign, really. The, cause the, the, of course. Yeah, no, it wasn't a process. It was a campaign. It was a campaign. <laughs> yeah, so, you know, like, when the, when the young people were telling me that they thought it wasn't fair, I was like, we'll do something about it. Was that Bradford? No, no, it was in um, Manchester. And um, I remember kind of being really invigorated by what these young people were saying to me. And I, I think I mentioned today, it's one of the reasons I love swearing, because those young, <laughs> you people, were so, those young people were so angry and they just used to swear all the time. And it sort of remind, reminded me a lot about me being at school and how much we loved swearing and and also kind of the bit about we weren't no but there was no one there really for for us to talk to in the way that we were talking to some of the young people and consequently the the kind of galvanized them, galvanized themselves into a group and then started protesting outside the uh and you've club. never stopped have you and then and then they eventually went to the council offices and explained in detail to the lead council officer about why the boys club was sexist <laughs> and I just thought and it's that thing that you were saying that I stood in the background and you could see people glaring at me but going and I'm thinking well, I'm getting paid for this and I think it's dead good and whether whether there's a job at the end of it or not it was irrelevant yeah because I'm of, not a social worker but you get drawn into the yeah. and it's 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 finding the difference isn't it Brian between yeah. the what now makes it social work? Yeah, that's yeah. that's the that's an essence of a question, really, isn't it? About yeah. how is because that campaigning role, that support role, that relational stuff, yeah, really good humanity. Yeah, why is it now a 
professioned thing. Yeah. Why have I suddenly capitalised what I'm calling myself? I, yeah. I think that's a really interesting question. That's one of the questions you give students. I remember, so my son's doing social work. and Is that came, one of the assignments? He came back from university <laughs> and said, I've got this assignment, my first assignment. He says, I can't remember the full title, but it's something about... How do social workers know when they're doing social work? Yeah. I said, Brian Mitchell's given you that assignment, hasn't he? And he said, yes, he has. Yeah. It is a great question. It is, it is a really great the, question. I think it goes back to every conversation we've had about... You're not going to answer it now, are you? Because you don't want them to know what the answer is. Well, I, I don't even right know what the answer is myself. All I know... I did tell him that. All, all, write anything. Yeah. Did you do we won't know. All I know is that when I looked at the young people that day and thought, well, they're... They're in charge. And, uh, you know, at, at university, I, I, I kind of still am, am aghast at the fact that I went to university. I still, mm. you know, a bit like the conversation you were having. I, first person in our family to go to university, and I still cannot believe that, A, I got through it and survived it. But I remember the bit that I really <coughs> loved about it was watching all the arty students wandering around with the toolbox, you know, the little yeah. toolboxes yeah. full of crayons and paints. My mum was And the, the big folders and thinking, yeah. I want to be do that! Yeah. I want to do yeah, yeah, yeah. As opposed to humanities. And the other bit that I really loved was the campaigning nature of it. Yeah, So, you know, like, getting behind all the campaigns that were running at university and thinking, this is magnificent. Mm. This is, you know, if... I'd have to say it was probably the best three years that I've ever had in terms of political awakening. You see, I never got drawn into that uni at, at, at university. I suppose it's that difference, isn't it? So um, I got drawn into the action bit. Yeah. So I was in community action mm. and making things happen, actually going into prisons and yeah. and practically getting on with it. Whereas the that political dimension, that campaigning dimension, that's yeah. never drawn me in in the same way. I, I recognise the inherent political nature yeah. of what um, social care is yeah. and social work practices. But I, I, I think you'd get, rather than talk about it, get stuck in. If you yeah. really mm. mean it, do it. Yeah. Don't sit there pontificating about it. Crack on and get it done. Uh, that, and, and, Consequently, I think that's my journey. My journey is that bit about, you know, I remember going from youth work into social care yeah. and the the nonsense that I was seeing and, and we were being asked to do a job that I literally could not do. I couldn't do the things that they were asking me to do and they were asking us to provide care and support to women, quite personal and intimate care. And I remember saying to the manager, look, I'm not being funny, I can't do that. I simply cannot offer the level of support you're asking me because mm. I, I wouldn't want I wouldn't want a woman to be supporting me. I've got and, and they were all like, "What?" I'm like, I can't do it, and I'm not doing yeah. it. And, and we might as well get to the point where I resign here. And the manager was just utterly brilliant, and he went, he sort of got the team in, and he said, "Just explain to them what you've explained to me." And I said, "I can't do." For me, support has to be gender appropriate and I cannot support the women. You're asking me to support women through, oh, I don't know, menstruation. I don't know what that means. I've never experienced it. I said, but more importantly, it's the indignity of a woman having, having to stand in front of me naked and me be as... I'm about as clumsy as it gets and it feels wrong. <laughs> mm. And that, you know, like the uproar it caused, but the support that they offered. And then the, the organisation sort of going we need to have gender appropriate support at this point and and then somebody saying to me quite a, a significant person in my life said to me um, my ex-partner said to me you should be a social worker <laughs> and you know for the yeah, for the yeah. bits that you do and her unwavering support on that was was how I ended up here and consequently there's been a song in my life that I cannot let go of, no matter how hard I try. And it's kind of formed me politically from the age of 17 and 18, and it's Eddie in the hot rods, do anything you want to do, which kind of captures perfectly how we should be when we're young people. Just do what you want and it'll work out all yeah, right. Yeah. So this is Eddie in the hot rods and do anything you want to do.
That was Eddie and the Uprods. Tune, Beautiful. tune, and tune. Uh, probably the greatest song ever written. Mine also probably got quite well done. Yeah. I did, I did. Yeah, every yeah. Time that's properly it. emotional for you, Johnny. So, has this been useful? Have we enjoyed it? Are yeah, we going I've to do more? It. Yeah, oh, I've loved it. Yeah, we'll have another go. Yeah, we'd have another go. I think. I think I it's think it... this, isn't it? Listening. <clears throat> so I've known you for a while now, Brian, and I didn't know how you'd got into social work and I thought that was really touching. I've known Rob for more years than I care to remember but um, it's, it's, it's really heartwarming to listen to and the stuff that Elaine you talked about, the love stuff, I think that's really important because I think you get to a point in your career where you can only work when you really, really enjoy it and that's stuff that Brian you talked about gravitating towards people who are like-minded and have got the same passion. I think that that... that that really came out this afternoon for it's me. And it's been of, really nice. It feels kind of quite. So whether or not it's worth listening to is another thing. But I think it's quite therapeutic from our point of view that the four of us on a Friday afternoon <laughs> have been able to have been able to sit down and, and talk and pro- kind of uh, get to know each other a little bit more in terms of yeah. kind of how we uh, how we ended up here. Uh, I think we um, we probably need to think about. Uh, how helpful the podcasts are going forward. So what kind of subjects we talk about, um, what's particularly to new social workers and social work students. Yeah, whether or not going forward we need to link them up with them. We've done some stuff in the past mm-hmm. as social work cats around um, a webinar series 
Brian, and uh, uh, I think we'd probably appreciate some feedback about is there a natural link between these and some of the webinars? Our yeah. webinars aren't big. They're not open to hundreds of thousands of people. They are quite small and intimate by design yeah. so that there's enough space to have um, everybody who's there to be able to be part of that conversation yeah. as quite a dynamic experience. And I would hope that's how this feels a little bit. I hope it, it doesn't just feel matey um, I hope it feels like it's a quite an intimate um, experience for we people are. who are listening. Yes, you can get accused of being mates. Um, and we are, we've worked together, you know, for a number yeah, of years, yeah. the four of us know, know each other. I think... Um, I think we've deliberately kind of kept this first podcast to be about us and about our um, introduction to social work and yeah. how, we, how we got to, to know each other. And it's supposed to be an introduction. I think we, if we go on and do more, I think we talk about things practice. in a bit, a bit more practice-based. This would just kind of play some songs yeah. and get an to know us An introduction to the Social Work Cats Rocket Science podcast. Yeah. But if you want to get involved, get in touch. You can get in touch through all the usual channels, the Twitter, the Facebook stuff. Don't be shy. If you want to get involved, come and do it. It doesn't work if, if you don't get involved, I don't think. If you want to come in and be a guest, let us know. We're yes. more than happy to have whoever and whatever you want to talk about on the on the podcast. Is that all right with everybody? Really good. Yep. Uh, can I just say it's been a delight. Uh, good to chat with you all. Uh, we're going out with the usual <laughs> outro music. Um, this the social work cats theme tune. No, yeah, no, no, no. no, no. This we, we we came in on the social work cats theme tune. We're going out on the theme music for Rainbow. See you all next time. Bye. 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 Up above the streets and houses, rainbow climbing high. Everyone can see it smiling. <laughs>